0: So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy.
1: Hello, and welcome once again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, as I had alluded to at the end of our program last time, I'm going to attempt to conclude uh, our review of the two prophetic terms contrasting the day of Christ with the day of the Lord. And... I wanted to do that by doing a quick overview, then I want to take you to a passage in Peter to add a little bit more understanding to that. It's not necessarily significant to what we've been talking about, but nevertheless, I want to take you there, and then I want to um, test what we have learned uh, over the last number of programs about the difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord to see if indeed we can use our scriptural understanding to test that understanding. So we will do that uh, in today's program, Lord willing. So very quickly, looking at our worksheet that you can get by downloading it uh, from the website here at the station, this is um, term set number two in a uh, worksheet entitled Important Prophecy Terms, and it includes seven sets of terms as as we fill it out, Uh, You obviously can see uh, set number one, and you can see set number two. And then as we get into uh, set number three, prayerfully in our next program, we'll be looking at the gospel of the kingdom and contrasting that with the gospel of grace and what all that means. And if you can understand the difference between those two terms, that, like the day of Christ and the day of the Lord and the Son of Man, the Son of God— It will, as I've been saying over and over again, it will really open your eyes to an understanding of the Scripture as you read it, and more importantly, as you study it. Because if you can understand the difference between these sets of terms, it will make the prophecy uh, portion of the Bible, well, really the Bible in general, I should say that, but particularly the prophecy portion of the Bible, become uh, more real, more alive, and more understandable, basically, more understandable uh, as you read it. So we've been looking at the day of Christ and the day of the Lord, and looking at the various scriptures, and you can see from your worksheet that for the day of Christ, your scriptures are all in the New Testament, because it is talking about an event that was totally unknown to the Old Testament writers. It was totally unknown, really, up until the time that Christ revealed it at the uh, Upper Room Discourse, and we are going to study, that is actually our one of our fourth, sets of terms. We're going to compare and contrast the Olivet Discourse with the Upper Room Discourse. It's the same Christ, it's the same Apostles, but it's two different um, pronouncements by Jesus. And in that second pronouncement, we call the Upper Room Discourse, he reveals the rapture for the first time. And of course, the rapture is something that uh, certainly hasn't taken place uh, it was looked forward to in the New Testament by Paul um, and others, but uh, principally Paul, but it is something that is yet future. It's a signless um, next event, I believe, on the prophetic calendar. So we'll get into all that. But looking at the day of Christ, as it was talked about, uh, principally as you can see, because our, our references are Philippians and Corinthians and Timothy, and then we put Hebrews in there, not because it necessarily talked about the rapture. It was actually talking about the Bema Seat judgment that immediately follows the rapture. and But we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, although I tend to think it's Paul because he's, he's talking to the Hebrew Christians in a lot of the same language. But nevertheless, the day of Christ uh, is the description used in the Bible for the rapture of the church. And then we move forward to the uh, the other term that we've been contrasting it with, and that's the Day of the Lord. And we've gone through all <laughs> a lot of Old Testament scriptures, and of course we have, as many as there are there, we have touched, just scratched the surface. There are over seventy different terms in the scriptures that refer or describe, I should say, and refer to to the Day of the Lord. It's going to be a day of terror. It's going to be a a time of anger and anguish and agony and throw all those adjective descriptors that you want to at it. It's uh, not enough to describe just how bad it's going to be uh, during that time, uh, during the tribulation. And it basically starts at the midpoint of the tribulation uh, and goes forward. And I'll take you to a scripture here in the wrap-up at the end to show you uh, that it goes all the way through the millennial kingdom until we get to the great white throne judgment, which is included. It's, it's a period of time, but it's highlighted principally at the front end by that time of anguish that's going to be experienced principally by Israel when the Antichrist takes his protective hand off of them at the end of the first half of the tribulation. And again, I'm reviewing this without going into the Scriptures because we've spent many, many programs delving into the Scriptures And um, if you are fairly new to the program, I would uh, highly recommend that you go to the website, and um, the the radio station website, and download the worksheet so you can see all the scriptures that we used. But it was uh, showing that it is a time that when Israel is being um, attacked by by the uh, satanic inspired and infilled Antichrist and his false prophet, we have the mark of the beast and so forth and the primary focus of the antichrist is to destroy israel because remember if they can if the antichrist with the leading of satan remember satan gives the antichrist at the midpoint his 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 throne his power and his authority to go after israel and if he can destroy israel then satan does not have a competitor because jesus clearly said in matthew 23:39 I will. You will not see me again, Israel, unless you say, or until you say, it, it, it will happen, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that is a horrible time for the nation of Israel. It's really a horrible time for the whole world, as has been the entire seven years. Remember, the first half, all the Gentiles on the earth are experiencing the wrath, because over half, of, well, based approximately according to the Bible, according to Revelation, half the world dies in the first half while Israel is being protected by the Antichrist. And, of course, again, we know that from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, and that covenant of peace that's broken at the midpoint. So the day of the Lord is a clear description of a time of doom and gloom and judgment And one of the key points is the second coming of Christ to judge the world. And there's going to be a a terrible time of judgment. Yes, there will be people found righteous in that judgment. One-third of the Jews we know from Zechariah 13, verse 9. And we know that a portion of the Gentiles will be found righteous. And that's from Matthew 25. um, The last parable there in Matthew 25 talks all about the sheep and goat judgment. But nevertheless, it's going to be a very difficult time. And I wanted to um, take a moment here and go to 2 Peter. Uh, We want to go to 2 Peter, and we want to really go to the last chapter of the last book that Peter wrote. So that'll be 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want us to uh, just take a moment here. I don't want to dwell on it uh, because I don't think it's particularly germane to what we're talking about here in, in contrasting the day of Christ with the day of the Lord. But I just wanted to show you that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, we read, but the day of the Lord, so you see that very clear description, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And we've studied that in a number of scriptures, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. And what Peter is describing here is what is called the day of God. Now we have the day of Christ as the rapture. The day of the Lord is this period of time um, leading up to the three and a half years leading up to the second coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, And then when God cleanses the earth after the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennial kingdom, so basically from the midpoint of tribulation, you count forward three and a half years and then a thousand years. And at the end of that thousand year millennial kingdom, the earth is going to be completely judged. Satan will be thrown in the lake of fire and all sin will be removed. And if all sin is removed, then all penalty for sin is removed. And that, of course, is death. This is what we call eternity. It is the perfect state. It is the state that the earth was in before the fall in the Garden of Eden. So we go from a perfect state to a terribly imperfect state back to a perfect state. And that concludes what's called the day of the Lord, according to Peter here in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. So I kept talking about it being a, a, an extended period of time, and I wanted to show you the Scripture that uh, that tells us that but particularly the point about the thief is that point in time when Jesus comes back as the son of man which we studied in detail in our first point in these seven prophetic terms that he comes back as the son of man as a thief because remember a thief comes to destroy to judge and destroy and that's what Jesus is going to do He's going to destroy everything that's unrighteous at that point in time when he comes back. So that's the day of the Lord. So what I'd like to do is to kind of test our understanding uh, using the Scripture, test our understanding of the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. So I want to do that by taking us back where we were for the last few programs, and that's in the book of Thessalonians, or First and Second Thessalonians, and we're going specifically to 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 and remember the whole purpose for the books of Thessalonians 1 and 2 is Paul to comfort the church in Thessalonica which is a city in Greece on the north east coast city in Greece that was terribly concerned that they had missed the rapture of the church Paul had been there he had he tells us in his scripture here that he taught them all about the end time prophetic events highlighted by the, the rapture of the church and then the tribulation and the second coming that would follow. And we go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to point something out, and this is how we're going to test our understanding, is uh, it depends on your version of the Bible. And I mentioned in a previous program that if you have a, a New American Standard Bible, study Bible like I have, and again, it is, along with the King James, the two best word-for-word interpretations of the Hebrew, the Greek, and as it were, the Aramaic, which you find scattered in the Bible as well, the best word-for-word. However, the people who did the translations in very, very rare cases used different terms. And we have an example right here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. And let me read it from the NASB and then I'll read it from the King or I'll read it from the NASB, but I'll put the King James term in there for you. Um, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse two. Well, let me read verse one first. Now we request you brethren with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. In the King James Version, in place of the day of the Lord is the day of Christ. So based on our understanding of our scriptural studies over the last number of programs, looking at the day of Christ and the day of the Lord, the scriptures lead us to understand, and again, I leave, I leave this up to you as an individual. You have to understand this through your prayers to the Holy Spirit to lead you to an understanding of the scripture. But as I have done that, I have been led to understand that this passage is talking about the day of the Lord. Because you look at it in context, not just not just verse 2, but all the way down through verse 8. It's talking about this terrible time that they've been told um, would happen, they've been told is happening to them, and that because it's happening to them, they have missed the day of Christ. Because look at what it says here in verse 2. Do not be disturbed. Do not be shaken from your composure. In other words, don't be upset in believing something that you've heard because they've they've told you that the day of the Lord has already come. Now, if that were the day of Christ, referring to the rapture, I would not have lost my composure. I would not have been shaken. I would not have been disturbed. I'd be elated because I want the day of Christ. I want the rapture to happen. But he says right here, as you go forward, let no one in any way deceive you for it. Referring back to that day, is it the rapture or the second, or the um, um, the, the terrible day of the Lord that we've been talking about that starts at the midpoint. If it will, it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So basically what that's saying is, is the man of lawlessness has to be revealed and this apostasy. And I've talked about that apostasy definition in the past, and I'm not going to belabor it here now. But I personally believe from a study of not only the Bible, but also other Bibles, English Bibles, that this is a reference to the rapture of the church, because it's a singular one-time event denoted by the the uh, and a, a definition of apostasy is departure. So it's basically saying that that the uh, if it's the day of Christ in verse 2, then it says that the Antichrist has to be revealed before the rapture of the church. And we know as pre-tribulationists from a literal study of the scriptures that we are not marked for wrath we will not see the wrath that is to come. That is because God is going to take the church out before he turns his attention to the world. And remember, half the, half the world dies in the first half, so this isn't a, a reference to the pre-trib, or excuse me, the mid-trib rapture. The only way you can insert a definition of mid-trib rapture in here is if you believe that the church has replaced Israel. And that the church is protected by the antichrist in the first half, and I just can't find any scriptures in the Bible to support that in any way. So to say that this is the day of Christ, and I'm just making the point here that it could be a, its just—it's up to the transcribers, the, the people who wrote this, that um, you can transf- you can transliterate the the day of the Lord and the day of Christ, and if you don't understand the difference, that's an easy thing to do. But if it is the day of Christ, then it's basically preaching here that it's a mid-trib rapture, that the Antichrist has to come first. And then it says down there in verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and only he who now restrains will do so until he, the restrainer, is taken out of the way. And he is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that has the capability of restraining evil on the earth. And where does the Holy Spirit reside? The Holy Spirit resides within the church. We know that from John fourteen seventeen, and And he, he wants to uh, teach us everything, and he dwells us forever. So when the Holy Spirit leaves, if he's with us forever, that means we go with him. And once he is gone, verse 8 says, then that lawless one will be revealed. So to me, that is a very clear description of a pre-tribulation rapture. So basically, to test this out, uh, I believe, and again, I leave this totally up to you as as a listener, as a believer in Christ, as a student of the Bible, you make your mind up uh, as to what this is. But my study of the day of Christ, comparing it and contrasting it with the day of the Lord, shows me clearly that this has to be the day of the Lord in verse 2, in order for it to make sense going forward. When does the man of lawlessness come? He cannot be revealed until the church is removed. So now we are concluding uh, point number two, uh, the the contrasting of the day of Christ with the day of the Lord. And in our next program, we will look at point number three, uh, comparing and contrasting the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of grace. So I pray that you'll stay with us because this is a uh, another set of terms that if we understand them clearly, it makes the Bible just come alive for us as we study the time of Christ on the earth and the time of the apostles following the time of Christ on the earth. So let's go ahead and transition now, as we always do, over to our Q&A time, and we have been looking at a... Uh, Question, does the fact that Israel is the wife of God have any impact on end-time prophecy? And just very quickly by review, we showed that indeed um, the, the asker of the question is correct according to the Scriptures. God is the husband of Israel, therefore Israel is the wife of God. We went through the passages in Exodus 19 to show that wedding ceremony at the foot of Mount Sinai after Israel was rescued out of Egypt. Um, 1400 and uh, almost 1,450 years before Christ walked the earth. And then we went through several Old Testament scriptures to show uh, where God refers to himself as the husband of Israel. And then we wanted to show that while the church age, the church is very important. Let me just say very important. It is not the only uh, entity, if you will, of importance in the Bible. And we were making the point that everything in the Bible before Pentecost, which is the birth of the church, and we find that in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, 50 days after Christ was resurrected, the church was birthed at Pentecost. Everything before Pentecost is all about Israel. From Pentecost to the rapture of the church, which is a yet future event, but I believe it's the next event on the biblical, on the uh, prophetic biblical calendar, from Pentecost to the Rapture. The focus is on the church. God has temporarily turned His back on Israel. But once the church is raptured out at, before the tribulation, the church is in heaven and on earth. God's focus is now on Israel. So everything before Pentecost and everything after the Rapture is. Principally, Israel, Israel, Israel. And if we understand that, then the Bible, as you read through it, makes sense. You don't have to do any mental gymnastics to understand uh, what the Bible is saying. So we went through Acts chapter 15, which was basically pulling a passage out of Amos chapter 9 of the Old Testament. Amos wrote eight centuries before Christ. And in Acts chapter 15, they're relating about how that God raptures the church out. He takes a group to himself, and once he does that, it says, following that, then Jesus will come back and uh, pay attention to Israel and rebuild the tent of David. He's talking about the millennial kingdom and so forth. And one of the most interesting things I found was our – going back, reading Amos 9, verses 8 to 12, and then going back to Acts 15 and to see how um, James, who was speaking, and he was the head of the council there in Jerusalem that Paul was addressing and referring to Peter and so forth, James was saying that here's what Amos said. And what was interesting is that they added a pass. they added a verse, if you will, to the beginning of the Amos passage. Why did they do that? Because Amos, like all the other Old Testament writers, had no idea of the church. They had no idea, therefore, of the rapture of the church. Um, so they could only write about what they knew, and that was the first and second comings. So basically in Acts chapter 15, addressing the church, they said God at first took to himself himself Gentiles. And then as Amos says, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David and so forth and so on. So to me, a very clear description of how the apostles in the first century, the original apostles saw the pre-tribulation rapture of the church and then Christ coming back, the Messiah coming back to judge, which they knew there was going to be a judgment. They knew there was going to be a tribulation uh, from the Old Testament Scriptures. And then the kingdom uh, with Christ on the throne in Jerusalem would be set up. So it's addressing the fact that they understood that there was a time in that first century of um, the church that the church would be taken care of and then God would turn his attention back to Israel. So for us as Christians... It's, it's, I think it's very important to understand and to know that Israel gave birth to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ gave birth to the church. So if we understand Israel's place and, and Israel's role in the overall flow of the Word of God, the vast majority of the Bible is just going to open up to you, and your understanding of it is going to be an understanding that honors God because that's the way God laid it out, Uh, a literal understanding, not distorted by any man's writings uh, to get across any particular position or view, but the view and the position of God is what we want, and we want to honor him by doing that. So the church has been taken out with the rapture, which again is a yet future event, and then what happens right after that? And that is the uh, end time prophecies that our questioner asked about. Does the fact that God is the uh, Jesus, uh, Israel is the wife of God, does it have any impact on end time prophecy? Well, it has everything to do with end time prophecy because the church is not involved. So what I'd like us to do is to go back into the Old Testament and let's look at some Old Testament prophecies about uh, Israel. Uh, who they are and what the future of Israel is because the, the Old Testament is replete with references to the yet future Israel uh, that we. I think it's important that we look at and understand. So let's go all the way back, all the way back to Deuteronomy, the last of the five books that Moses wrote right after the book of Numbers, and go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 7. And let's look at where Israel came from, where Israel came from. Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, the Lord did not set his love on you. And this is Moses talking about God and his relationship with Israel. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments but repays those who hate him to their faces, to destroy them. He will not delay with them who hates him. He will repay them to his face. Therefore you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I am commanding you today to do them. So we'll continue with these scriptures from the Old Testament to show you the importance of God and his relationship with Israel as the, as the Bible flows from Genesis to Revelation. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air.
0: Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Our special offer this month is Consider the Ant, Volume 1, The Basics. Consider the Ant is a biblically-based look at emergency preparedness. You'll be taken through the steps necessary to prepare yourself for The Unexpected. This special DVD can be yours for only $20. To get your copy of Volume 1, The Basics from Consider the Ant, simply call us at 878-6279. That's 423-878-6279. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.